what I want to do with you tonight is kind of look at some familiar scripture. I want to look at it um, maybe in a new light. I'm really going to, st- I'm, I'm stealing tonight. I told someone not long ago, a youth minister that was, was fairly new, and I, he was asking me where I got ideas from. And I said, 90% of the ideas that I have, I steal from somebody else. Um, we just take them and tweak them a little bit and make them our own. And so tonight I'm, I'm really stealing from, from Dr. Galen Turner. Uh, he came uh, this, this past fall and he was, he was speaking to college students and he was telling me about the things that he was going to be preaching through. And, He's preaching through this passage in First Kings, uh, First Kings chapter eighteen, uh, is where we're going to be tonight. He was kind of telling me uh, about this, and so I'm really stealing this idea from him. Uh, but we're going to look at that together tonight. As you're finding First Kings chapter eighteen, I want to tell you a little bit about what's going on at my house. Um, so my my wife is very very much pregnant. Um, I, I can I think I can say that with 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 certainty. I didn't know there were degrees to that. Um, until the last doctor's visit that we went to, and the doctor himself said, you were, you were very pregnant. Um, I just thought you were, you were pregnant. Um, I didn't know that there was degrees, but um, he said very, very much so. So um, baby boy number four, who we, we still don't have a name for, for him yet, um, eventually we hope to. Um, I think we have to before we leave the hospital, but he will be coming sometime very soon at our house. Um, and so there's this, there's this idea for, for ladies and I don't, I don't think it goes over to men. I think it's mostly just women. This idea of nesting that comes along. Um, so towards the, the end of your pregnancy or maybe the middle or, or who knows, maybe it's just all the time. But for her, it's definitely like right now is this idea of we've got to get everything ready. Like everything has to be done. Everything has to be ready. So not long ago, she told me, she said, we, we, we've got to switch the rooms around the way that our house is already. So John Henry had to move from the room that he shares into the guest room. We no longer have a guest room, so don't come to my house. Um, so we moved him into the guest room. Um, but to do that, she said, we, we've got to switch things around and get new bedding. And oh, by the way, I'd love to paint it a different color. Um, I said, okay, I love to paint. <laughs> and so that, that we tackled that one Saturday. Um, I say we loosely, um, but... <laughs> tackled that one Saturday and we were done. She's like, it's great. It's wonderful. You know, I think I want to paint our room too. Just, and so a few days went by and, and, and we painted the, our room, um, in a slightly different color, um, just in the same family. Cause it has to be that way. Painted it a, a different color, a little different shade. And then she walked into the bathroom, the, in our, in our room, you know, this doesn't really go together anymore. Um, I think we need to paint it as well. So we did that, um, painted that room as well. Um, and then she was leaving yesterday to go to her brother's birthday party. But she said, you know, why don't you stay here? Um, because I, let's go ahead and paint the nursery a different color as well. I said, oh, okay. Um, so yesterday painted the nursery. It seems like there's just like one, one little project leads to another. Moving rooms around to get, get rid of what we had in the guest room, which basically turned into a storage room for us. Uh, we had to get that stuff out of there and put John Henry's stuff in there. But before we could put John Henry's stuff in there, we had to figure out what we could get rid of and what we needed to keep. And, and, and what like the, we had to get rid of our, our desk that was in there, but there was stuff in the desk that was very important. And so we had to figure out what are we, what are we keeping? What are we getting rid of? And then what can we take and then use maybe in a different way as well? And that's really the idea of what I want to talk to you about tonight. I think that's, there's a little bit of that going on here kind of in the story uh, that we find in 1 Kings. 
So let's read that together. I want to start in verse 17. We're going to read a big chunk all the way through verse 40 together. We're starting in verse 17. It says this, Ahab is king. It says, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is it you, troubler of Israel? And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have in your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only am left prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull, lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you will call upon the name of your God and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. And then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many. And call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice. No one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made, and at noon Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. As midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice. No one answered and no one paid attention. And then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob. To whom the word of the Lord came saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain, contain two seas of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering in wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I, am, I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood and the stones and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. I want to kind of look at two different verses that are here. This is hopefully a familiar story to probably most of us. But I, I was, Dr. Galen Turner pointed out these verses to me and asked me this question. And I never really paid that much attention to this. But look back with me, verse 19, real quickly. It says this. It says, Now therefore send and gather all of Israel to Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. 
there's two different groups that are, that are mentioned here, two different prophets groups. We've got all of Israel there, of course, but then there's the prophets of Baal, and there's also the prophets of Asherah. But kind of what's happening in the story involves the prophets of Baal. But we know these other prophets of this other foreign god are, are there as well. But then at the end, in verse 40, we have this. It says, Elijah said to them, Seize the, seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. They seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. The question is, what happened to the prophets of Asherah? I've, I've been in church literally all of my life. Um, I've, I've read this story, heard this story. I've heard people preach through this passage lots of times. But when he asked me that question, I don't know. Never been asked that before. Never really realized they were there. In my imagination, it was just kind of this big group of people and the, the, the Israelites watching and then there's the, the group, big group of prophets of Baal and then Elijah. In my imagination, the prophets of Asherah were never really there in the story, but they're, they're there in the story. So what happens to them? I mean, the honest answer that I've got for you tonight, where, where did they go? What happened to them? Why weren't they slaughtered with the other ones? I don't know. I know this, though. I know that before I knew Jesus Christ as my Savior, there were other gods that I followed. There were probably other things that got my worship and got my love and they got my attention. There were other things that I followed after besides Jesus Christ. And I'm glad that God gave me the chance to turn from those things and turn to him instead. And didn't immediately just slaughter me somewhere. And maybe that's what's happening. Maybe in my mind that we get this balance of God being holy and saying he's not going to put up with sin. But then we also get this picture of grace. Like only God can give us. It says, you know what, I, I, I love people. I'm going to give them another chance to, to, to get this right and to get this the way it should be. I think there's a principle in this idea and in this question that I want to talk with you about tonight. This idea of, of the question of, of kind of what is it that, that we need to keep? What is it that we need to slaughter? And then what do we need to redeem? I want to kind of talk through these three things with you tonight. I, I, I'm your youth minister, um, so most of the time I work with teenagers. Um, we've talked through this with a group of teenagers once before, and I used lots of illustrations and, and things like objects that I had to use. And so tonight I have. I always feel, feel like a good object lesson is, is, is good for the soul. Um, so I have some things. I'm going to need you to help me. We're going to categorize these things that are found in my backpack. We're going to let them represent some other things, and then sometimes they're just going to be exactly what they are. Um, we're going to categorize, remember, our three categories that we've got. What are we keeping? What are we slaughtering? And then what are we going to redeem? The idea behind redemption is this idea of, of giving something value or maybe even buying something back or repurposing it for something else that has a value again. So what are we keeping, what are we slaughtering, what are we going to redeem? I have lots of items in my backpack and I gotta get a chair. Can't hold my backpack and talk to you at the same time, hang on. Thought I had two. Oh, here's the other one. Does anybody know what these are? 
What are they? Knitting needles. Aren't they wonderful? Now here's the deal. I'm gonna take some of these things out of my backpack for you. Some of you are already thinking like, why does he have knitting needles in his backpack? Um, they're for illustration purposes only because these to me are not knitting needles. These are poke your eye outers. Um, because at my house, if these were around, like the, there's absolutely no way that long metal pointy things um, would be uh, around my, I don't know what to do with them. I know you wrap yarn around them and make sweaters or something. I don't really know. Um, I don't knit. I don't know how to knit. For me, if, if I were given these, this, if I found these at my house, for me, this would go in the category of slaughter. Like, get it away before someone impales themselves um, on these, right? Now, for you, again, it might be different. It might be, oh, we're keeping those. Like, of course we're keeping those. Like that, I could make you a baby blanket with those, right? Or whatever it may be, but it, we're just going to go through some things. You, I'm going to tell you what I would decide. You decide for yourself. A little self-examination time tonight, okay? So we're starting with the knitting needles. For me, I'm getting rid of those. Slaughter that. I, I, I don't need that. Um, some of them are pictures. So use your glasses, your really good eyes. This is, this is a stick of dynamite. It's not an actual stick of dynamite because if it were an actual stick of dynamite, we would all be in trouble. I do not know what to do with this. Um, I once met a man named Ted Hull, um, and I talked to him about his life and about things that he had done in his past. And I said, so what was your job in the military? And he said, I, I blew stuff up. Um, he said, my job was to absolutely level things and leave like buildings standing no higher than six inches. Um, I was like, huh. You're already an intimidating man, um, and now even more so. Um, he might would know what to do with something like this. Um, I do not. Dynamite also goes in the category for me. Slaughter that. Don't, don't need it at all. This is my family. This does not go in the slaughter category. It's a good picture. I don't know if you can see it in the back. We can pass it around if you really want to. Um, but for, for this, what this is going to represent for me is time with your family. I don't know if you know this or not, but um, most ministers, it's hard to get time. And not just ministers, probably for most of you. Even for some of you who are retired and no longer have like a job hanging over you or, or you've got school maybe. It's sometimes hard to get not just time, but to get quality time with your family, for me, that's something that I treasure. It will be very rare that you will find me here on a Friday because it's my day off. It's dude day because Lee is at school um, teaching on Fridays um, and I have the dudes and it's dude day. And we'll go and do all kinds of different things, but I value that time with my family. For me, this would go into the pile of keep. That, would, that is something that helps and aids me in my life. And so I'm, I'm keeping that one. <clears throat> so I Googled the, the idea of friends 
and I got this pictures from like a TV show. I was like, I'm not using that. Um, so then I Googled the word friendship. You would not believe the number of pictures that you can find online of people jumping in the air to represent friendship. This is not what I do with my friends. <laughs> Which might be why I don't have this many friends. <sighs> Um, but for some reason, this came up with friendship. Um, so evidently, if you want to keep your friends around, y'all better start jumping. Um, but friendship. So here's, here's the deal for me. You ready? Friendship is one of those things, especially when I talk to teenagers, and it's really not just teenagers. Because most of what they learn, they get from people that are older than them and live in the same house. Um, and so a lot of times for them, friendship is something that is iffy. Some friendships need to be slaughtered. Some friendships they need to keep. Some friendships they need to redeem. To use that relationship to bring someone to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Or to bring someone who knows Jesus Christ as Savior back around to God. And following him like they should. Friendship is one of those that kind of depends on who the friend is, right? So for me, that would kind of go in this redeeming category. I don't like the idea of like absolutely getting rid and slaughtering of friendship. Sometimes that's the case, though. But most of the time, I think for me, it's the idea of redeeming. So friendship, we'll put there. Then, this, this is um, a church directory. We're going to let it represent church because there's a picture of not just any church, but our church. So church is one of those for me. That I would like obvious answer is, oh, keep church. Of course you keep church. Like you have to. It's church. And I think you're right. I think for me that would go in the category of keep. Um, for me, it, it provides, you know, a livelihood for my family um, and food on my table. So I would definitely keep that. But let's let's maybe partner it with this one. This is a clock. By the way, it's hard to find a clock like this. Um, people don't have clocks like this, but, or maybe you have one, but if it breaks, it's hard to replace. Um, picture this as the idea of just overcommitment. It, it's amazing to me how much teenagers are committed to and how busy they are. But again, I think a lot of times they learn that from people that are older than them that live in the same house. And I think they are allowed to be overcommitted. Sometimes this can go with overcommitment. Well, that may be kind of dangerous to say, especially to this crowd, because most of y'all are involved somewhere. You're teaching Sunday school, you're ushering, you're driving a golf cart around, pretending to usher people to their cars, but you're really just driving the golf cart around. Whatever it is that you're doing, you're, you're deacons and you're all kind, kinds of things, right? But if, if you're so overcommitted at church that you're not being fed by God, coming to church is a, is, is a job and it's not really worship, I would tell you that you might be overcommitted. It might be time to say no to something. Overcommitment, for me, would be something that, that needs to be slaughtered. 
It's, it's hard to even redeem overcommitment because it doesn't give you time to do the things that you really should be doing. Overcommitment happens even all the way down into we're about to start upward basketball season. I'll miss first and second graders for upward basketball games because they're also playing softball or they're playing softball or they're playing baseball or they're also playing soccer and they're also having some kind of lesson or they're having like they've got four or five different things that they're a part of. Just maybe okay, but maybe there needs to be some margin. So overcommitment, maybe that's one. I've got a couple more. Have a Bible. That would be one that hopefully we would put in the keep pile, right? Maybe sometimes we are overcommitted and then we don't have enough time for this. One of the ways that I tell teenagers that, that tell me like I can't spend enough time in, in, the, in, in God's word and it's, it's hard to do and develop this habit and those sorts of things. One of the things I, I, I do with them is, is this one. I didn't put it in my backpack. It was in my pocket. Um, but a cell phone? What pile does it go into? Well, depends on how you use it, right? <laughs> so some would say, man, get rid of that one, right? Well, maybe. Sometimes it's useful. For me, it's useful because I can keep up with a lot of teenagers and I can send them messages that say happy birthday. Or I can check on Colin Moak when he's not even in the same state. Or I can tell people that are on our deacon council how to pray for me on Fridays. Sometimes they're useful. Sometimes they take us places where we're not supposed to be. Sometimes we spend so much time there that we forget about things like our families. It kind of depends on that one, what we use that for. One of the ways that I tell teenagers to kind of redeem their time on a cell phone is the very first app that they would open up. For most of them, they have the wonderful smartphone, and they'll open that up, and the first thing that they go to is usually what they spend probably too much time on. So what I'll tell a lot of them is, hey, if you want to spend more time in God's Word, just every time that you open your phone, just go to the Bible app first and make that a habit. Most of the time, it'll bring you up to whatever you read last. If you're doing that fairly, fairly easily, you can go to wherever you read last and just read through that scripture. It's an easy way to memorize scripture. Sometimes you can even take those things and make them a passcode on your phone that some of you have to have and remember the four-digit number, eight-digit number, or 14 letters in the character or whatever. But for most of you, it's just numbers. Sometimes you can take that and it can be a scripture memory verse, the digits of a memory verse that you're trying to work on or a memory verse that reminds you that, hey, once you open this phone, make sure that you're going to the places that you need to be going to and doing the things that you need to be doing on that phone. Sometimes it's something that for, for most of us could probably go into the category of being redeemed. It's useful, maybe, but it could probably be used better. So maybe redeemed on that one. Let's see what else I've got. This is a car. It's probably hard for those of you to see in the, in the back. It's a Hot Wheel. I couldn't fit a car in my backpack. Um, <clears throat> this kind of doesn't make sense, right? What about a car? Well, where do you go? For most of us, it's freedom, right? It takes us where we want to be. For, for some of you that have had the conversations with your parents and be like, I'm sorry, Dad, you cannot drive anymore. Um, that, that light pole did, did not get in your way. Um, you, like it's, it's just that conversation is really hard to have because that represents for a lot of people this idea of freedom. 
You look forward to it from the time that you're 15 and 16. You're like, all right, I can finally drive because it will take you places. It'll take you to places where maybe it's you're being overwhelmed with stuff and overcommitted with things. It's friends that maybe you should be hanging out with and maybe they're not. Maybe it's taking you to be with your family or maybe it's taking you away from your family. So again, it's maybe something that's redeemed. I've got one more in my backpack. It's a weight. It's not a lot of weight because I don't want to carry that around and I don't like lifting them. Um, but I'm just going to represent like things like exercise and maybe just taking care of yourself. For most of us, we'll probably keep that. There's not a whole lot of people that I meet that are like overcommitted to that, to taking care of themselves the way that they should. There's all kinds of things. And, and if I, it could be like Mary Poppins bag, like I could keep pulling stuff out, right? We could do this pretty much all, all night. But for you, maybe just take a little bit of time as you're sitting and listening to all of this and do a little self-examination of, you know, what, what is it? Sometimes even the beginning of a year brings this about. For me, it's, it's been switching all these rooms around my house and, and us having to figure out, like, all right, well, this thing that was hanging on the wall for forever, do we keep that or do we do something else with that? Do we use it in a different way? Do we put it in a different room? Do we just get rid of it altogether? We put it back where it was. For some people, it's a new year that we're starting in 2019. And you kind of do a little self-evaluation of, all right, what, what needs to be different this year? So maybe that's just a challenge for you tonight. What do you need to hang on to? What do you keep? What is it that, that's, that's truly beneficial for your relationship with God that you hang on to? What is it that you need to slaughter, to absolutely get rid of and to never go back to it again? That's the idea of repentance. This idea of, of getting rid of sin and absolutely never going back, going the opposite way from it. And then what is it that maybe you can redeem? What is it maybe this year that you can, can kind of grab back and give value to again that right now is not helping you at all? But maybe it could. Maybe it's the way that you go out to eat after church tonight and a waitress walks over to your table and you can redeem even that conversation by just saying, hey, we're going to pray together in a little bit at our table. Is there something we can pray for you about? You'd be amazed the conversations that my family has had just over that simple question. What do you need to keep? What do you need to slaughter? What do you need to redeem? Prophets of Asherah I don't, I don't know what happened to them. I know the people of Israel, they fight a lot of battles with, with that idea. Asherah poles and those things that you'll kind of hear about in the Old Testament. And God gets mad and there are prophets that speak against them. And they'll, they'll show up again in a very bad way. But there's also a part of me that thinks that maybe the 400 of them that are kind of watching all of this go on, maybe, just maybe there's some of them that see fire come down from heaven. And they say, along with the people of Israel, wow, that God really is God. That's something different. <laughs> Maybe. I'm glad God gives me a chance to be redeemed. I love singing those songs about it. But tonight, what do you need to 
keep? What do you slaughter? What can you redeem? I'm going to challenge you with this. Pick at least one thing to redeem. It kind of works like painting at my house. Or if you'll do it with one thing, it'll probably lead to another. And probably lead to another. And probably lead to another. And I probably am going to have a little baby boy soon. And as soon as that settles down a little bit, it'll probably be, hey, John, I think we should probably paint the living room. Because it always leads to something else. Good and bad work that way. When we follow God the way that we should, we redeem the things that we can. It leads to other good things. We keep the bad things. The wrong things usually leads to more wrong things. So tonight, a little self-assessment. I'm going to have a time of invitation. Jeremy's going to come and, and, and lead us in that. I'll be here if you want to talk with me, if you'd like to pray with me. I would love to do that with you. Or maybe just use the time that we've got together tonight just to, to maybe just think through all the stuff that's in your life and what we need to be doing with those things. Jeremy, come on.